0: Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore data. Well, this week is off to a rip-roaring start. I'm 0-1 on my predictions. I think I've gotten like three or four games wrong this entire year. 0-1 to start week three. Now, I did say the one caveat in this whole game is Fitzmagic, because he's always going to have these games where he's, I mean, where did he get the name from? He just lights it up playing for Tampa Bay, and he's the best quarterback in the NFL for, like, two weeks. And then it's just, you know, he's not that good, and the team is trash, blah, blah, blah. So, anyways, whatever. I really, I really don't care. I'm really not worried about the Jaguars getting a high pick, because they seem like a terribly run franchise. Anytime you have uh, players that are fighting to get off the team, that's a really bad sign. Um, yeah, so, it's pff, 0-1, but, you know, whatever. It's a tough week, too, man. I'm I'm going through the picks, and it's like, I don't feel good about a single game that I'm picking. Not one. I mean, legitimately, I don't think there's one. I mean, I just, I'll just tell you, I got Tampa Bay over Denver as my 16. I don't feel that good about that. I don't like Tampa Bay that much. I don't like Tom Brady that much. Their backup quarterback is probably going to end up being better than Locke. I need to change that. I don't feel good about that. Because legitimately, the the only real problem outside of losing Von Miller for Denver is that their quarterback is trash. And I don't know if Denver Broncos fans have realized it yet or not, but anyways, whatever. I'm just, sorry, I happen to be a fan of football in general, so sometimes I go off on a tangent. But yeah, I got, I got nothing, man. I mean, Colts-Jets is a real popular one, but I don't trust the Colts. I mean, they lost to the Jaguars, so that doesn't make you feel very good. And the Jets are terrible, but they're not as incompetent as they have been. They're capable of pulling off a win against a team that doesn't do very well, and the Colts are capable of that. 91% picked the Chargers over Carolina. I don't like the Chargers. I mean, Teddy Bridgewater isn't the worst. They've got somewhat capable wide receivers. They've got one good corner right now. I mean, he's not that good, but so far this year he is. Chargers, not good. I don't want to put that much confidence in the Chargers. Even Arizona over Detroit, oh, it's a gimme. Arizona's not that good. I mean, I get that they're 2-0, and but they've got some flaws, man. And I, it, it, look, I gr- I'll grant you, Detroit is a mess. But I think the disparity between the 2-0 two, two and o Arizona Cardinals that people think is one of the top teams in football and the Detroit Lions, who should be getting Galladay back, I'm just, I'm not 100% comfortable with it. Banged up San Francisco over the Giants. I get it, but eh. Pittsburgh over Houston. I'll, I'll be honest, I almost picked, uh, you know what, I, I did pick Houston in this game. That's my one big upset, so I don't know, man. I don't like this week, and I'm in a survivor pool, and I don't know what to do. Anyways, how y'all doing? Good. Glad to see you. Decided not to tell you what we're talking about today, because uh, sometimes, like yesterday, I just change it halfway through and we talk about something else, so we're just going to start talking, and we'll see how it goes. But first of all, the thank you very much is and I I really think I missed the Venmo crew yesterday. I was thinking about it. And I'm like, I don't think I said thank you to the uh, Venmo folks. I just, I don't know where I left off on this stuff. Anyways, thank you to uh, Timothy Lutrup, Tim Walsh, Michael Cambra, which is Kona. I figured out. Sorry, dude. Change your Venmo. And Aaron Schroeder. That's, I believe, yesterday and today. And then thank you also to Anthony Suarez, if I didn't say thanks already as well as Brian Reed, who jumped in, uh, I saw, as I woke up this morning. Thank you for your support on Patreon. Again, I am uh, I'm getting a little beggy, because I'm on the absolute warpath. Um, I'm, I'm a million miles away, but, but the, the, the funny thing is, I remember starting this podcast, and I remember that I had, you know, one episode or whatever, and it was a terrible episode, and the, the, I wish I still had those episodes, I don't, I think the farthest I can go back is like 80s, and it was still terrible. But the point is, we're looking at February as episode 1,000, and it went by like a blink of an eye. And I'm, I'm looking at it, and I sometimes make the comment where it's like, you know, if I could just get like 4,000 people to give a dollar a month, which isn't actually true. I, I can't quit my job for $4,000 a month. But whatever, it's just a number. It's a round number. It's an ish number. You factor that with a little bit of seasonal ad revenue and some other stuff, you know, we can kind of start looking at it, talking about it just dawned on me it's gonna take forever but even at a slow trickle it could actually be a real thing i don't i'm just saying man i know most of you don't care just talk about packers i get it that's i'm sorry i'll stop in a second. i just i really want to put in some more work to help you get more packers content and that's not a lie if i haven't proven to you that i'm willing to work hard i'm sorry <laughs> but i'm hungry and uh when i'm hungry i get a little beggy that's all i'm saying Sometimes I beg for for bacon, sometimes I beg for a dollar. Either way, I get a little beggy. So if there's any way you can muster it, if you could head over to patreon.com forward slash pack underscore daddy and give even a dollar a month, I promise you it's going to make a big difference. It doesn't seem like it. seems silly, like whatever, somebody else can do it. It's just a buck. It doesn't matter. It does, though, because I'm 1,000% telling you the reality. There are enough people listening today that if everybody went to Patreon, and would give a dollar or so... Maybe a couple people are a little bit more generous. It's over. I'm not going on Monday. I know it's not going to happen, but it's just—I'm just telling you. All right, I'm done now. I'm, I'm off my—I'm off my soapbox. It was funny. I was thinking about it the other day, and it's like, man, I've basically become a—basically uh, become a panhandler. And then I thought about it. I'm like, no, I'm not a panhandler because I actually give something back. I'm like a street performer. And I thought about that because I was watching a video of a guy. He was—what uh, was the song he was playing? I don't know, but he was really good. And I was like, oh wait, no, that's what I am. I do a little song, and then I'm like, hey, man, you got some change? I can live with that. The panhandler thing was depressing. I can live with Street Performer. So I want to start off with, um, I think I think either I'm confused or J.J.'s confused, but we'll look at it anyway. Ryan Wood on Twitter said, Luke Getzy on Aaron Rodgers' quick release, which has been even quicker this season. Quote, he's the best in the business at getting the ball out of his hand, period. Whenever he wants to, I don't think anybody gets it out faster. Now, I had mentioned... Well, okay, and then uh, JJ says, uh, "Gonna have to show me the numbers there, Chief. Maybe 2020 specifically. That's true. I think that's I think that's literally what he's talking about. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. But I but we have looked at the numbers. But let's let's do it again because we haven't looked at it updated since this week. And there's also a little bit of a uh, caveat that I want to throw in here that I didn't mention last time we talked about his release time. So if we look at uh, PFF's numbers because they also track." Um, time to throw which i forget that they do that they have aaron Rodgers tied with tom brady for seventh at 2.39 seconds last year aaron Rodgers was tied for 34th at 2.74 seconds and again we already did this so i'm not going to go back through every single season but the bottom line is i think you have to go back like a decade before you see anything even close to what he's doing this year so if if the point is he's always been really good at getting the ball out of his hand of course that's nonsense now i i don't know I guess if you look at it in its context, which, again, would be kind of stupid, but it says whenever he wants to, I don't think anybody gets it out faster. He could be talking about release because it does throw in the caveat when he wants to, and the reason his time to throw is always so slow is because he doesn't want to throw it. He's standing and dancing around. So I don't I don't really understand exactly what he's talking about. It's probably some form of coach speak, and I don't know what the question was in terms of you know getting the ball out of his hand quicker. So maybe he turned it into this coach speaky thing where he's, changing you know moving the goal post a little bit where he's like oh yeah he, he gets i mean he's gets the ball out of his hand real quick like from the time you start your wind up and that's always been true i remember seeing that a long time ago the the actual time to throw from the time his arm starts drifting back to the time the ball is released from his hand they would time it and his release is just ridiculously fast so if we're talking about release yes if we're talking about 2020 time to throw yes If we're talking about time to throw throughout his career, no, he's extremely slow, and that's a lot of times by design. But uh, breaking down by week, just because we're here, um, Aaron Rodgers was 7th at 2.25 seconds, which is ridiculous. I think 2.55 was the quickest average time of anybody to get the ball out of their hands. I think it was Andy Dalton and maybe Drew Brees. Week 2, he was 18th, same as Kyler Murray at 2.58, which is obviously quite a bit longer. But we're still sitting at quickest release, um, in, quickest average release in the NFL last year. And way faster than he had it, as far as his uh, c- career average. And again, 7th overall. So there you go. Hope that answers your question or concern or whatever. Probably not. Um, one fairly interesting thing so far, Drew Brees is 17th. Not that he's not getting the ball out of his hand relatively quick. It's still 2.46, but I want to talk about Drew a little bit. I'm not doing my full Saints breakdown because I don't have a full Saints breakdown yet. But just starting preliminaries, um, I'm a little bit shocked by, by the Drew Brees phenomenon. As a Packers fan who is about to see the Packers go up against Drew Brees and the Saints, I've been extremely skeptical about the notion that Drew Brees is fading. All right, we saw the Drew Brees versus Tom Brady thing, and I didn't watch the whole game, obviously, because I don't watch late games. Unfortunately, I'm going to have to find a way to, to pull it out this Sunday. I don't know how I'm going to survive. But but the the notion after the fact was both Tom and Drew don't look like the same guys. They look old and decrepit. So I went over to PFF. I'm like, what do you guys think? Well, they said Tom actually looked really, really good. I don't have any further context beyond just his grades. I suppose I could look at the... the chart that shows depth and all that stuff maybe he was really good short really terrible deep i don't know but they thought overall he was fine but drew was terrible and i was like oh wow that's that's interesting but it's just one week then they go up against the raiders again i didn't see very much but i saw the raiders uh, march down the field score their first touchdown the drew Brees led saints turn right back around and scored a uh, field goal i think so i assume the saints would win saints ended up losing i look at the score I'm like well how did uh, drew Brees do he didn't do well again and so I'm, I'm sitting here and I'm thinking, all right, he's, I mean, did he really just fall off? Did he really just hit a wall or is it just a bad patch? We've heard about the Saints dropping one, you know, early that they shouldn't. So maybe this is just kind of a fluke, but it is weird that Drew is grading out poorly two weeks in a row. And I thought, all right, well, let's see how often Drew Brees drops two in a row and go from there. So I just went back to 2019 and I found something pretty interesting. Last year, Drew Brees basically didn't have any bad games. He missed a, a big chunk of time between uh, from Week 3 to Week 7. But from Weeks 1 to Week 15, he basically didn't have any bad games. You could possibly say Week 10 against Atlanta, but that was a pretty decent game. Just talking about grades. However, Week 15 was one of the best games of his entire career against the Indianapolis Colts. He had a grade of 96.3, elite, elite, elite. And then something happened, and I have no idea what it is. Week 16 against against Tennessee, he was terrible. Week 17 against Carolina, he was really, really terrible. And then the wild card game against Minnesota, he was terrible. This is five straight games of Drew Brees putting up pretty bad games. And I'm just talking about around 60. His grades the last five games have been 61, 53, 62, 57, and 63. What, what is that? so when did he i mean if you just look at these five games he is legitimately one of the worst quarterbacks in the NFL I mean these these are these are like Sam darnold numbers um i'm just trying to think of a really bad quarterback right now i don't i don't i don't know I'm, I'm trying to rack my brain who would be a guy that's had five straight terrible games in a row and and you know i'm using terrible loosely but i mean for a quarterback it's not good and let me just illustrate what he was before that. This is the entire season. 90, 81, 78, 68, which is still, again, pretty close to 70. 81, 85, 78, 81, 96. And then 61, 53, 62, 57, 63. And I, I, I posed the question on Twitter, and, and most the most common response was, well, you know, it's, it's father time. It had to come sometime. But wow, does it really hit you in just like on a random Wednesday? Like you are literally one of the best quarterbacks in football who had probably you were probably the number one quarterback in the NFL one week and then just boom on Tuesday father time hits you and you're not good anymore because I would have expected a gradual decline and a lot of people responding to like well he's been declining for some time I don't think that's true we saw a resurgence from Drew Brees about two years ago 2018 and 2019 have been the best two-year stretch of his entire career I've been talking about this for a while. There was a a shift in philosophy. It's a lot of short passes, get the ball out quickly, stuff that really helps older, more veteran quarterbacks. And uh, it's been working. I mean, the only year of his entire career that he graded out in the 90s outside of these last two years was 2011. Since 2011, his grades have been 84, 84, 89, 87, 83, 89, and then 94 and 90.8. Best two years of his career. And um, somebody else mentioned, well, his deep ball has been fading for a long time. I don't think that's true either. I mean, it depends what you mean by a long time, but but just looking at it, Drew Brees is by far one of the best. I mean, I, it's my first time really looking at it, so maybe this is more common than I think, but he has to be one of the best deep ball throwers in history because it's incredible looking at his numbers. I'll just randomly pick 2015 because I don't want this to take too long, but I'm going to read three numbers and then move on to the next year. The three numbers will be from left to right, So left, center, right. All of these throws, though, are beyond 20 years. So the first number, 91.5, is beyond 20 yards to to the left of the left hash. 90.4 between the hashes, 82.3 to the right side of the hash marks. So 91.5, 90.4, 82.3. Those are his grades in those sections. And again, if you go back further, it just continues since forever. 2016, 92.5, 94.5, 84.5. 85.5, this is 2017, 86.9, 97.1. I don't know if it's on here or not. We'll, we'll keep going. But one of these years, he had a 99.9 in one of these sections. Very rarely ever seen. I think I've seen 199.9. It was a game by Aaron Donald. 2018, 91.8, 92.7, 95.2. These are all elite grades throwing into these sections of the field. Then 2019, something shifted. He still has a 96.8 to the outside right, but going from left to right again, it's 51.4, 70.7, and 96.8. So he still tore it up outside right, but he had a 70 overall grade between the hashes, which is fine, but it's low for him. And then a 51.4 to the left deep portion of the field. 3 of 8, 79 yards, 1 touchdown, 1 interception, 74.5 passer rating is what he did to the left hash. Left deep. Deep left is, is the proper way to say it. But also, if you just look at the beyond 10 yards or between 10 and 20 mark, he still tore that up in 2018, 77-92-87. So he was fine there, but it, it definitely seemed like 2019 the deep ball was, was fading a bit. Then we go to so far in 2020, smaller sample size, but so far in 2020, he's attempted three passes only to the deep portion of the field. All three have gone to the left side of the field, which is not his strength. He is one of three for 46 yards, zero touchdowns, zero interceptions, a grade of 64.3. So it's not great. Now, it's small sample size. We'll see what happens what goes, what goes, when we continue on. But look at this. Beyond 10, from 10 to 20 yards, his grades from left to right, 41.6, 53.1, 52.1. So if you add in the other deep ball, it's 64.3. He's not good at anything beyond 10 yards so far this season. If you look at uh, from 10 to 20 yards on the left portion of the field, he's 0 for 3. Uh, the middle portion of the field, 4 of 5 for 90 yards and a pick. If you look at uh, 10 to 20 yards to the right side of the field, 2 of 5 for 35 yards, 64.6 passer rating. He doesn't have a single portion of the field in which he grades out in the 80s. He has the only two portions of the field in which he grades out fine in the 70s are from 0 to 10 yards on the left portion of the field and the center portion of the field. That's it. He is 0 for 2 behind the line of scrimmage to the right side of the field. 0 for 2. So something's definitely wrong, and I definitely am buying into the uh, the arm is fading. Uh, we, again, we saw it a, a little bit last year, even though his, he graded out fine for the most part all of last year, aside from the last three games, you still saw the deep ball start to fade. And now this year, he's only attempted three passes. You know, he's only completed one pass in two weeks deep, but anything beyond 10 yards, he's not doing a good job on. And then there's also the question of, well, is, is this, these three attempts, is that less than normal? So I took 2019 and I looked at how many passes for each section of the field and looked at the percentages. If you look at from 0 to 10 and 10 to 20, the, ex- the percentages are almost exact. I don't remember exactly what it is, but it's like 50% between 0 and 10, 20%, whatever, whatever, and then it, it, it dropped a little bit. Again, small sample size, so it's possible you throw one more pass deep and it, it averages out. But he is throwing less deep. 3 or 4% less, and those numbers have shifted to the the behind-the-line-of-scrimmage numbers. I don't know exactly what all this means, but it certainly is signifying to me that something is pretty wrong here. The other question that I have is, who is his deep ball threat right now? I believe in the past he had Ginn. Ginn was a terrible wide receiver, but he was kind of a deep ball guy who is now over with the Chicago Bears. Michael Thomas is somewhat capable of that but he's more of a Devontae Adams type, whereas he can get the deep ball, but he's not really there. If you look at his one pass for 46 yards, that was to Jared Cook. So you also got to factor in, although Jared Cook is kind of playing that old Jimmy Graham role, how much can Jared Cook handle that? So not only do we have to question, can Drew Brees handle the deep you know, pass anymore, you also got to ask the question, who's the deep receiver? Again, through two weeks, he's thrown the ball beyond 20 yards once, and it's to a 700-year-old tight end. There are other concerns, defensive concerns and everything else. The the Saints are off to a really slow start and and I understand like a lot of teams you expect there to be a bounce back. I expect the Vikings to have a bounce back cuz they're not as bad as they're playing. They're bad. And I'm 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 digging it. But um a lot of teams are, are really playing below their standard and and it wouldn't surprise me really if, if the Saints got a bit of a bounce back. But there are serious questions here especially when you look at the fact that again this is five games in a row, and if you I, I did actually go back, and you've got to go back to, like, let's just say roughly in the last 10 years, you'll find once or twice where he's dropped about three bad games in a row in his entire career. He's, he's had five in a row right now. This is a streak we've never seen from Drew Brees in which you're looking at him and, and just saying this is not Drew Brees. And I think maybe last year, the Saints were such a powerhouse, we didn't really realize it. And when they got pummeled by the Vikings, it's kind of like, well, it's just one of those freakish things. You know, It's it, it just happens. The Saints are obviously the better team, but the Vikings just had their number, they had the right game plan. And maybe we didn't really recognize, no, the, the Saints should have won this game. The Saints should have beat them. But they've been struggling for a while now. In 2019, the Saints were graded as the second best team in all of football. And you had... Uh, you had the quarterback just completely fall apart. Now, granted, this is all predicated on PFF and their grades, and a lot of people probably look at it and go, what are you talking about? They put up 38 points against Tennessee. They put up 42 points against Carolina. The Vikings' defense held strong. That's why they beat them. I don't know, man. I'm just telling you, these guys have been watching Drew Brees for, for over a decade, graded every single one of his throws, and they're telling you something is wrong. Again, he's, he's going to have a good game at some point. It's not as though he's never going to throw the ball well ever again. Even if this is his last year, I have to assume he's going to have a good game sometime. And this this is a perfect, perfect environment. It's back in New Orleans. The pressure's on. Maybe getting his guy back, which is what we'll talk about next. I think somebody had said he's like 10-0 and Sunday night football in New Orleans or something to that effect. So it's just it's that kind of environment. But um, if you're a Saints fan and this is, this is not concerning you, I would probably say you should give it a second look. Because it is concerning. Even Aaron Rodgers, who was really struggling the last several years, I can't find five games in a row. I can see four. Actually, no, that's because Carolina, he played well. There's three here, Washington, Chicago, Minnesota, he didn't grade out all that well, although 68.5 and a 69.5 is basically 70. But if we're trying to get super greedy with it, 2018, I mean, it's just two games is the most I can give you. Yeah, I just, I, I can't find more than, than like a two-game stretch outside of 2018 where Aaron Rodgers really didn't come back with a vengeance. And look, maybe if if, if I'm being unfair about breaking down the season, it's possible that the, the last three games are just kind of an older quarterback. Kind of like we saw with Brett Favre. Toward the end of the year, he started fading. And so these are two separate issues. You got a fluky two-game stretch, and he's going to bounce back with a vengeance. And then last year, the issue was just, you know, it was the end of the year, and he's broke down, and we saw he was injured and out for part of the season, and he's not going to make it all year, and their, their hopes for a Super Bowl win are just basically zero, because their quarterback can't last that long. Especially, which is especially frustrating for Brett, he didn't do well in cold weather. Well, that sucks if you're the Packers quarterback, right? Like, that weather hit, and it's like, oh man, he's got nothing left. Hard on the joints and whatnot. So anyways, I'll drop you with that interesting little tidbit. I'll let you draw your own conclusions on it. And again, I'm not making any declarative statements about what's going to happen, but it does change the dynamic a little bit because I think, like a lot of things, we look at the 2019 teams and say the Packers are in trouble because we're not invested in the 2020 teams yet, and that's fair. Again, there's nothing wrong with looking at 2020 for what it is. If you missed my little spiel, and, and PFF, I think it was, broke this down in an article and it was actually a, a, a brilliant article. It, it basically said that saying that things are going to change from week one and week two is not necessarily true. The whole, well, we haven't had a preseason yet and a bunch of crazy things happen, that's not really true. Taking any two-game stretch and trying to extrapolate what that team is, is the problem. right? Like I said, if you if you look at week 16 and 15 and then try to guess the best teams based on that, you're going to have just as good of a time as you will with week one and two, meaning you can put some stock in week one and two. But it's still a small sample size to the point where it's possible bad teams have a two-game stretch. It's possible great teams have a two-game bad stretch. We don't fully know yet. But we can take some solace in the fact that Aaron Rodgers is freaking incredible right now. And that's not a fluke. Not saying he's going to maintain this level because it's basically impossible, although I mean, he has done it in the past, more or less. Let's, Let's look at that, actually. What is the best stretch he's had? I'm, I'm, I'm sitting on 2016 right now, which was a good year. If you if we look at, let's just do from week 10, although 75 would be a, a low game for Rodgers this year, but that was a 75. But then from there, week 11, 85, 91, 73, 91, 87, 94, and then 70s and low 80. That's a decent stretch. I mean, it's a four or five game stretch there where he was elite almost every week. It's actually 6 games with only one game dip. That's that's impressive in 2016. 2015 was a horrible year. We're not talking about that. Actually, you want to see a long stretch, it's 2015. Horrible year. My goodness. Yikes. Yikes indeed. And unfortunately he got off to a hot start that year which is scary, but again, we're not talking about that. 2014 was pretty good, but not really. Let's just let's just skip to 2011. We know that that's what we're talking about. Now, might have been 2016, man. I wonder if he can surpass this. I mean, it could be the best year of his career. I think it's the best start he's ever had. Even 2015, he had one elite game, and then week two, he kind of came back down to earth with a 78.9. So far this year, 96 and an 89.4. By far the best start he's ever had. By far the best season he's ever had. And and, and the incredible thing is, he really doesn't have all the, the best weapons. I mean, I'm, I'm not necessarily on the we should have got him more weapons bandwagon, although there's some truth to it i think both sides of that argument are right you know we didn't actually need them as it turns out number one however we would be better if we did yeah definitely totally but this is i mean this is the best start ever his highest graded season was in uh 2014 93.4 right now he's at a 95.6 mm, 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 mm. i don't know how we got here or why we're talking about this but it's just makes me smile and look, again, I am i don't want to get too much into it, but the, the general consensus is, well, he won't do that against the Saints defense. Why? I mean, I get on paper it's a good defense if you look at 2019, but it's not been this year. And if we're going to say, yeah, but they're better than they're playing, okay, fine, but then so are the Packers defense, right? I mean, we, we should expect the Packers, if, if you're going to give the Saints that whole, well, they were better last year, so they're going to be better against us, fine, then the Packers defense is too. Not that it has to be that way, but we can't just assume all the negative things and then not give the Packers the same the same credit, especially since the Packers' defense did improve. We're seeing Jair, Jair step up. Kevin King's been decent. Rashawn and Zadarius have been pretty decent. There's some, there's some glimmer of hope. They're waking up a bit. Anyways, why don't we take a break real quick. We'll come back and look at the injury report, and some other stuff, yada, yada. So I think the plan will be by today to try to get up uh, the challenges. The challenges for the Iron Jock player of the game, or whatever direction we plan on going. But the point is, we're going to be giving away a couple more of these Iron Jock hoodies. And I'm telling you, I'm real excited to get the two out that I have. I got them set out. I just got, to, you know, printing, shipping labels, and all that stuff. But I'm excited to get these things out so I can hear from you how much you love them. So make sure you are in the Facebook group, like the Facebook page, so that you can participate in these giveaways. Because I got a bunch of these Iron Jock hoodies to give away. But while you're waiting, or if you're just not interested in waiting, and I've legitimately had several people reach out and talk to me about Iron Jock, like, you know, ask me about the website. I've had friends be like, dude, really want one of those hoodies? <laughs> and let me tell you, yes, you do. If you're not willing to wait, just go to ironjock.com. That's I-R-O-N-J-O-C.com. This is a Wisconsin-based company. They've been waiting to launch for a real long I've talked to these guys last year. Um, they've got some really incredible technology, and, and the fabric that they use is next level. And when I say technology, I mean it. All their apparel items, from their socks and underwear to their shirts and hoodies and their pants, whatever, are infused with a nano-silver. It is a proprietary silver ion technology. It provides permanent odor protection for the lifetime of the fabric it kills 99.9 percent of all bacteria and fungus caused by sweating so not only is this a ridiculously comfortable hoodie it's great for working out in because while it's really comfortable it's also very light and breathable if you wanted to wear a hoodie to go out running this is absolutely perfect and again as you're sweating into it it's killing bacteria and fungus it's wicking away all the the moisture in the water and provides that odor protection. There are some companies that have fused infuse nano silver like Lululemon or whatever. They've got it just in a few of their select lines. And again, some of these people they just do spray on. They they got a process where they spray the silver ion on the clothing and it just washes off after a little bit of time. This is actually physically infused and I, I again, I can't explain this process to you. Maybe hit these guys up on social media and they can explain the science better than I can, but it's it's really really high quality stuff. Wicking and fast dry, breathable, anti-static and then they've got the Endurotech Plus which is also water repellent featured in Iron Jack's long pants, shorts, hoodies and running jacket. You'll never get wet while running or playing golf in the rain wearing this stuff. And again, it's it's super breathable fabric so it's really it's just it's it's awesome. I'm very excited about it. I'm very excited to be working with Iron Jack. So get in the group and uh, get prepared because I'm I'm excited to give a bunch of these things away and get them into your homes and 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 the other cool thing is companies aren't going to do this if they have garbage product. The only reason these guys are are handing me $2,500 worth of product to give away for free is because they know when you buy one, you're going to want to get the pants. If you get the hoodies, you're going to want to get a shirt. You're going to want to get the socks and and something else to just go with it because it's such great quality stuff. Plus, you're going to be wearing it. You're going to be telling people, dude, this thing is amazing. Nobody gives away garbage because nobody's going to want to buy more. So anyways, check out ironjock.com and look over some of their stuff. Um... I did get a free hoodie, but I'm I'm not even kidding, I'll probably be buying some of their um other products to go with it. And that brings us to my bookie. Because now that you're all wrapped up in your Iron Jock and you're feeling all comfy cozy on the couch, what are you going to do? You're going to make some money so you can buy some more Iron Jock apparel. And you're going to make a bunch of money with my bookie. First things first, you go over to mybookie.ag and you peruse. They refuse to move this line, which is 3 points in favor of the New Orleans Saints. They refuse. Now, I, you know, you, you, you tend to think Vegas knows what they're doing, but you go over to that CBS pick and pool, everybody's got the Packers, like 70%. 70% picking an underdog is pretty wild. You listen to some podcasts, they're all like, you know, I love the Saints, but I don't know how they pull this off. It doesn't have to be that, though. If you're not feeling good about it, that's fine. Because they've got live in-game betting. They've got prop bet. And again, you can bo- vo- bet on motorsport, table tennis, rugby, chess, darts, cricket religion they've even got current events will the xfl play a game in 2021 you can bet on who the first organization to spend send humans to mars will be spacex boeing china the space force i don't know man my bookie just likes to party that's all i know and they want you to get involved in it which is why if you go to my bookie right now you drop in promo code overtime when you set up your new account they're going to double your first deposit slap down 100 bucks they're giving you 200 or, well an additional hundred now you got 200 bucks to play with and to make it even more fun to help out your party and to help out your family when you set up your account of any amount and use promo code overtime we need you to take a screen grab of that send that to overtime at advertisecast.com that's overtime at com. You're going to be entered into a drawing to win $500 at the end of September. If you have not done it yet, you need to go do it immediately. We're running out of time. Somebody's getting $500. There's no reason it shouldn't be you. MyBookie.ag. Use promo code Overtime. Send the snippet to Overtime at AdvertiseCast.com. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. Uh, we got some great news, some some great news. Kenny Clark s- seems to be on track to be back. He was. He went from did not practice to limited participation, and the bottom line is not that things can't crop up, but if he's not ready to go, you're not going to put him out there. With an injury like that, you're not putting the guy on the field if he needs more time to recover, right? It just it makes no sense. In other words, from the Packers' perspective so far, he's ready. They're going to continue to monitor him, make sure it doesn't get worse and flare up or whatever, but he's he's on track to play. Devontae Adams is not. He didn't practice Thursday. There was some optimism, but there was uh, seemingly much less optimism after yesterday. Ian Rappaport, I believe, tweeted something out. I don't know who he talked to or whatever, but the sense that he got, for whatever that's worth, is that Devontae will not be playing. So that that sucks. Also, and I know a lot of you don't care as much as I do, but I legitimately thought he was going to be a big factor in this game, Josiah DeGuara did not practice. This is after he was limited on Wednesday, which generally is a good sign that he's going to play again. Same same thing, right? You you put him out there because you expect him to be ready to go. Something happened, right? Maybe he put a little bit too much strain on it. The ankle started hurting again. They're like, crap, we got to hold him out again. Whatever the case may be, he's not practicing. We'll see what happens today. Really hope he gets out there. Also, uh, J.K. Scott didn't practice. It was a non-injury thing. I don't know what exactly the status is on that. You might. I don't know. Maybe I missed it. I, I'm assuming it's fine. If it was big news, we, I think I would have heard about it. But before we go to the Saints, let me elaborate on why I thought Josiah DeGuara was going to be a big factor. And it's essentially because there's a couple things. And it's just one of those things when when you hear a lot of factors now point in one direction. I had recently seen a stat. I don't know who it was. One of the Twitter guys put out something to the effect of the saints have not allowed a hundred yard rusher and i can look it up actually well that's actually that would take a long time it's not team rushing yards it's a single rusher but anyways it, it was a lot of games like 25 games or something crazy and you take that with a little bit of information i have about because I don't, I don't know a lot about a lot of other teams i have general information that i kind of gather some of it is just assumed and and it's probably not real but th- but this is kind of new fresh in my mind as i'm starting to try to build up an idea of what the saints are you take that information along with what we saw last week against the raiders and and again i'm basing this off of essentially one drive but the saints clearly looked a lot like the minnesota vikings in which they sold out against the run they were not going to let jacobs tear them apart jacobs ended the game 27 carries 88 yards There was a lot of talk about how they they couldn't stop the run that seems to not exactly be the case If you get 88 yards on 27 attempts, that's 3.3 yards per carry. That's not good. But again, they completely sold out on stopping Josh Jacobs. That was 100% their goal. So let me reiterate what I saw on that one drive. Again, exact same thing as what happened with the Minnesota Vikings against the Packers. They said, Aaron Jones will not run against us. In this case, the Saints said, we're not allowing Josh Jacobs to run against us. So... The Raiders and John Gruden came out in a big boy package a lot because Gruden is an old school guy, likes to come out in big boy packages and bully people. That's his way of playing football, kind of similar to the Packers in a way. So they line up as a big boy package, say, We're going to run. You ready? And like, Oh, we're ready. And then they'd run, and the Saints would stop them. They're like, Okay. Next play. We're going to run. You ready? And then they pass. And it's a great pass, usually to their tight end, Darren Waller, who is in line, looking like a blocker, slips out passed a bunch of defenders who are screaming to the line of scrimmage to stop josh jacobs he bleeds out gets about seven they They're like ah we tricked you see sometimes we come out like this and we pass ready we're gonna do it again they line up they do it again they complete another pass and so gruden's thinking all right now it's first down we're coming out in a big boy package maybe they're gonna maybe they're gonna see it coming maybe they're gonna back off let's try running they they still crash down on the line of scrimmage to stop josh i was like all right Let's try a pat. It works. And that was the whole thing. That was just every time they tried to run, the Saints were like, nope. And he's like, yeah, but but if you keep doing that, I'm just going to keep throwing it, and you're not even trying to stop it. And so they threw, and they were successful, and they threw, and they were successful, and they threw, and they were successful. And again, a lot of it was they had their inline tight end bleed out, catch a short little pass. And by short, I mean about six yards. He gets another, you know, three-ish yards. And on first and 10, he's getting nine because everybody's just crashing down on the line of scrimmage, and it's like, you bunch of dummies might want to make an adjustment at some point here. Just to th- just throwing that at Gruden, you know, he's an intelligent coach. He really is. He seems like a goofball, and everyone kind of treats him that way. He's he's a really smart guy. But he didn't really need to be in this game because they just said, we're going to stop the run. And the, the game plan was kind of similar for the Saints as it is a lot of times for the Packers, where, you know, or actually, it kind of reminds me of what Dom Capers used to be. Dom Capers really emphasized stopping the run because he wanted to get you in third and long, right? You know, first and 10, you run, we stop you. Second and 10, you run, we stop you. Now it's third and long, then we release the hounds, and the problem is we didn't really have any pass rushers, so it didn't really pan out. Whereas Mike Pettin's like, nah, we're just going to plan on you passing 24-7, right? The whole game, you're just going to pass. And if you run, that sucks, we're not ready for it, but eventually you're going to have to throw, and then we'll be ready. It's just, it's a completely different thing. First and 10, they load up the box, and we're in dime. Like, it's just... Patton does not care about stopping the run. It's a little frustrating, but whatever. not talking about that right now. Also, I'm not saying that that's ever actually happened. It probably hasn't. I'm just exaggerating a a very obvious point. Mike Petton is the Mike McCarthy of defense. Like, yeah, running is stupid. I don't care. Can't win a game running the ball. So if your game plan is to just beat us running the ball all day long, that's fine. We'll still win. I don't know if that's actually true, but that is 100% Mike Patton's philosophy. You can beat us running the ball, but you can't win a football game just running the ball. So it's up to you. Seems to be working so far. So anyways, fast forward. The Packers like to come out in big boy packages. They like to bring their, their wide receivers in tight. They like to run a lot of three tight end, two tight end. They got big boy uh AJ Dillon out sometimes in two running back sets. Jamal, who's a who's a great blocker and kind of a thumper despite his, you know, not being built exactly like uh, AJ Dillon. He's a violent player. Uh, our wide receivers are basically tight ends. And then we've got kind of leaner actual tight end so everybody's sort of a dual threat and josiah Deguara was built for this kind of a game he was built for that darren waller role to get lined up in line or at fullback or whatever and on one play you're you're lead blocking and on the next play you're slipping out and i'm not saying guys can't do that i think jace is fully equipped he's he's more athletic he's a better route runner in my opinion he just hasn't been able to put it together and we saw last week with his two two drops it's not fantastic and so it's possible Jace has a really big game if if they decide to put him on the field, if they decide to trust him, it, it may just be Robert Tanyan, but I just I feel like we have never seen Robert Tanyan in that role. If anything, it would be Mercedes Lewis. Robert Tanyan is always attacking down the field. I don't know why, it just it's just a thing. So anyways, my, my hope was DeGuaro would be in this game, and he's going to have a really big breakout game. I don't know if that's going to necessarily happen. This, in my estimation, if the Saints are going to keep trying to play that way, and I'm assuming that they do. I don't think this was a one-week fluke. I think this is a thing. It's, it's why they haven't allowed a single rusher to go over 100 yards in 25 games or whatever. If that's the case, expect somewhat of a repeat of the, um, the Minnesota Vikings game. We're going to run the ball. But we're going to quickly realize that, that they're just going to continue to try to stop that. So it's going to be similar to a Mike McCarthy offense where we run the ball to kind of keep you all, uh, honest, because I can't just pass all the time, even though I probably should. It doesn't get us anywhere, and at the end of the day, we're, we're converting third and mediums a lot. A lot of third and fives, which actually sucks because Devontae's our third and five guy for sure. I mean, he's our he's our everything guy. But that's that's the number one thing. As much as we like, well, Lazar does a good job, blah, blah, blah. A quick out by Devonte is an automatic third and five converter. MVS is nice for a couple shots, but you know they they allocate a lot of resources to uh, Lazard. I mean, we'll still probably be all right. I mean, Aaron Jones as a receiver out of the backfield—it's—it's—it's it's, going to be relatively tough. But I expect Aaron Rodgers to just be on point, and and that's that's really what we need in this game. See, I'm doing a—I shouldn't do that. Why am I doing this? I'm just supposed to be talking about the injury things. But uh, yeah, Aaron Rodgers is a massive component in this game. I'll just say that. As far as um, some of the other guys, Billy Turner, full participation all week. It's very interesting to see what the Packers are going to do with Billy Turner. They really want to force him on this offensive line, but as several people have pointed out in the Facebook group, one person in particular, I'd look it up if I had more time to give you some credit, but but I'll just say right here and now, I agree. If it ain't... That almost got really bad. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. The offensive line is doing fine. Maybe it's because they're going up against garbage defensive lines. I don't know. But the guys we have are doing a good job. I don't really want to mess that up. We know Billy Turner was doing a bad job last year. That's all I know. I just, I, I don't know, man. It, I mean, it is what it is. I don't, I don't care. All I know is if Billy Turner gets put on the field and he starts giving up pressures and starts giving up sacks and they decide not to pull him because he's our guy, I'm not going to be happy. And that's my biggest fear. And I have no reason to really believe that. They seem to be very good about just putting the best people on the field no matter what. But they just have this weird thing about Billy Turner, and I don't know what it is. And I don't see that with a lot of other guys. I don't see this sort of force-feeding like I see with Billy Turner. He's our guy. You know, we're, we're going to put him at guard. And he does a bad job. And they're like, we love Billy Turner. He's so good. He's so He brings such energy. And he's uh, it's like, what are you talking about? And then he basically gets like a promotion to right tackle. And it's like, wait a, wait a minute. What are you doing? Oh, he's so good. He's really good. He's our number one for sure. For sure okay I'll take your word for it um anyways very quickly because I I need to be done now um and again I'd I'd look it up if I had time but I don't somebody had sent something to me I think on Twitter I don't know anymore or text messages um but it was something to the effect of Elton Jenkins will be our soon-to-be left tackle I, I I don't know man I really don't I don't really have an opinion on the Bakhtiari thing anymore. I mean, Bakhtiari put out a comment, something to the effect of, you know, the cap is is stupid, and if they want to sign me, they can, Um, whether or not that is in line with their philosophy or not. Basically, it was a nothing comment, right? Some people got excited about it, like, see, David knows better than everybody else, and he says they have the cap to do it. No, he said if they want to push money around to sign me, they can, which, of course, they can do that. Everybody knows they can do that. It's not really the point. The point is, at the end of his comment, where he talks about there is a whole philosophy of how to manage a cap, and that could possibly get in the way, which is true. That's that's what we're talking about. Is this within the Packers' philosophy that they want to keep David Bakhtiari? That's the question. Of course they can move money around and sign him. That's, that was never in question. Um, the question is, are they going to do that? So I don't know what they're going to do with David Bakhtiari. I, I, I'm leaning toward they're going to sign him just because he's such a critical piece, and, and you look at the fact that he's getting better as a run blocker, um, you listen to the comments about how we can see tackles get are good into their mid-30s, which I've been saying for a while, it's weird, the Packers are ditching guys when they hit 30, and some of the better tackles in football are, are 34, 35 years old. Now, beyond that, it, it starts to fall off, but you look at guys like Donald Penn or uh, Whitworth or, or whatever, some of these other guys. Offensive lineman, yeah, 34, 35 years old, just dominant. Balaga, I think, is still, well, I don't know if he's having a great start to the year, but he's still humming, right? We saw Sitton play well for a long time after he left. We got rid of Lang. He's still going strong. J.C. Treader is one of the better, like, centers in football for the Cleveland Browns. Granted, I don't think we necessarily got rid of all these guys for age reasons. Sitton was seen as, like, a cancer in the locker room, and I don't know, the other guys was, I think, just bad management. But at the end of the day, I I think the the number one thing, we we get a little bit too hung up on uh, the Packers don't sign aging offensive linemen and that there's been a history of that. But I think also one of the most important things in draft and develop is, and one of the more prominent things about the Packers, is they retain their guys. And when they have somebody that they believe in, you have to be able to sign them. And it's it's only bad teams that don't do that. It's bad teams that say, "I I wish we could sign the guy, we just don't have the cap. The only way David Bakhtiari is not getting signed by the Green Bay Packers, is if they genuinely believe it is not a prudent move. Not because they can't afford him, but just because they think, based on his age, he's not, he doesn't really have it in the tank anymore, and it's not going to be worth the amount of money that, that the market demands for him. Right? You look at guys like Jordy Nelson that left. That wasn't about, we can't afford him, he would have taken pennies. It was about, we just don't really want him. I mean, apparently they made him some kind of an insulting offer, which I wish they wouldn't have just, just done that. Just don't do that. Just say no, thank you, or something. That's it's crazy that they're doing that. But anyways, assuming he's gone, is Elton Jenkins going to be the future left tackle? I, I don't have any information on that. Um, he played a little bit of right tackle, seemed to do a good job. Obviously, tackles are more important than guards, so if he can handle it at a really high level, then yeah, and it solves quite a bit of problems. But um, but I don't know. We saw him play a couple snaps against Yannick, who is wildly overrated. He held his own maybe he can do it maybe he can i i don't i don't know and i'm not super interested in getting involved in that debate at this point in time cuz there's just so many variables we have i don't even know who our starting offensive line is this week right it's like trying to predict the weather in f- 10 years like dude i'm looking at my app it's telling me that at noon it's going to be this temperature i promise you at noon it's not going to be this temperature they i can th- these dumb weather apps can't tell me it's raining They're, is it going to rain today no it's raining outside tell me you know what the weather's going to be like The weather is the most frustrating. I've I've gone on this tangent several times, but I don't know how many times I've seen where I, like as a kid before school, I'd be watching the news on television as they're doing the weather. And as they're doing the weather and talking, there's on the bottom right a little thing that tells you current temperature. And it felt like every day they would say, oh, it's a high of 74 today, a low of 56. And on the little thing, on the television, it says it's 49 degrees outside. You're just, you're trying you're trying to make me think I'm crazy. You're trying to put me into a mental institution. Why are you doing that? Look at the television. It's telling you it's 49 degrees. How in the... Anyways. And so in, in my mind, weather folks don't count like 5, 6 o'clock in the morning. Like, that doesn't count. Like, the day doesn't start until like 8. Nobody cares about the weather until 8 o'clock. So the low for the day, we're kind of just talking about seven thirty, eight o'clock-ish, you know, the fact that it's three o'clock in the morning and it's ten degrees colder than what I'm saying the low is that that doesn't mean anything. I'm just I'm I, I want to kick a weatherman so hard. It's been uh, it's been a trying it's been trying thirty three years of, of frustration with <laughs> with the weather, and I feel crazy like I'm all by myself on this. Anyways, um, completely forgot to talk about the Saints injuries. Uh, Marcus Davenport is practicing now. Malcolm Brown was added to the list. Defensive tackle uh, did not practice Thursday. The big one, Michael Thomas, also did not practice. So we'll see. I haven't heard anything coming out of the Saints camp in terms of whether or not it's looking good. Obviously, today is really, really big. It's the final practice. It's the final injury report day. Um, Hoping for some good news out of Devontae. Hoping for some good news out of DeGuara. Hopefully, J.K.'s all right. But also, uh, hopefully, get a little bit more clarity on the Saints players um again not a great sign for Michael Thomas that he hasn't practiced all week it does seem like Marcus Davenport is coming back but I haven't heard anything definitive on that and then we got to wonder about Malcolm Brown and linebacker Chase Hansen. otherwise you know again the, the, these are the big factors but we'll do more of a Saints breakdown uh tomorrow I don't know. we'll see we'll, we'll, we'll go will go. but I gotta get going you folks have yourselves a fantastic day talk to you tomorrow have a good one